1: how how you doing? I'm doing well, man. Y'all can call me dirty from now on because I plan on getting dirty with
2: George's ass. I'll give you the politically non-correct answer. Let the nuts hang. Let the Let fucker the fly, man. Hang. Well, you never know what the hell's going to go on in Morgantown. You get off the bus, it smells like straight whiskey.
3: What other 50-year-old white man's out here doing a gritty that night? You know, whatever. <laughs> we'll but, no, I'm saying the lights went out. <laughs> Don't worry, guys. Don't worry. It's Dabo
2: doing the gritty.
3: I say right foot, creep. Cheers, boys. We're finally back championship weekend field of 12 after dark college footballs must watch show, George Whitfield rolling with half sooner, half Aggie Trevor Knight. How are we doing, sir?
2: And if there was, if I was any better, there'd be two of me and I am a twin. So there's most days it feels like there's two of me. There ain't, I'm, I'm, a, I'm the superior twin. I hope you're listening out there, <laughs> big man. Um, but man, I'm doing great. Excited to be on tonight with you guys. A lot to talk about. Funnest time of the year. And I know we say that every week, but this is it. We got two left and here we go.
3: Two left. Arkansas's favorite Razorback, Clint Sterner. Mr. Sterner, how we doing, sir?
1: Man, hell, if I was any better, I'd need a twin, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I, I just feel like it's a, the timing was perfect for that one right there, boys. No, hell, life... Life is good, man. Life, life is good. looks like these Texans are going to get this number one overall pick. Um, We got us a national championship game coming up on Monday and um, hell, the Astros are still world series champions, baby. What else we need? (laughs) Oh, and by the way, by the way, being, being a girl, dad, and a new dad, y'all will appreciate this fellas. I, um, my wife's been out of town for the last four days. Mm. So, um,
3: Overtime. She came
1: back in late this evening. The baby's happy and healthy. Been fed a few times. And, boy, I got about 14 chores done over the last four days. And wow. got three workouts in. My wife is proud as hell of me, boy. How about that? Write
2: you your ticket after that one, Clint. Come on, on, baby. <laughs> keep keep, oh, keep receipts. I didn't
3: just toast myself, did I? My bad, y'all. You know, go ahead. Keep, keep receipts, sir. Trust me. Keep receipts on all that. So we got Trevor Knight. We got Clint Sterner. I'm George Whitfield and we are produced by the biggest Notre Dame Fighting Irish fan in the tri-state area, Mr. Dagan Hughes, who also had a big win. All of Notre Dame had a big win today. We'll go into that, but first we first, and and you could feel the energy on this already because Trevor and I just did this Tuesday and it was the exact opposite. We feel like this because of the great news that came out of Cincinnati with my man, Damar Hamlin, starting to come into a little bit of consciousness, uh, signs of, of of recovery, battling his way back. We all been praying for him. The p- uh, press conference by his doctors. It was so uplifting. Clint, I'm gonna let you relay again, what, what's gonna be the name of his documentary? Did we win? Did we win? Yep. How profound was that? Two yep. days. The story of DeMar Hamlin, absolutely. Being in an induced, basically an induced coma for two days. Last time he was conscious, he was finishing a tackle. Two days later, that's his first thoughts. Did we win? Unreal. So um, I just want just, to just give you guys just a minute each or, or take a little bit of time, just your thoughts. Clint, we haven't had a chance to wrap with you Yep. since, you know, we all felt that earthquake lived it you know right where we were watching it, what TV we were looking at seeing it Two, now we started to get a little bit of light out we'll just go with you first. I mean, absolutely incredible
1: news today, first and foremost, man, the, the prayers are obviously working. So everybody out there listening, keep throwing in things up for sure. Um, you know, we've talked about it a lot on radio, um, being on radio four hours a day. This is, this has been the, the, a topic for the last three days, four days. Um, and for me, man, look, I've heard a lot of former players talk about why we play the game and taking care of mom and dad. And, and all we want to do is go home to our family at the end of the day and, and all that stuff's great, man. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to minimize it at all. Um, but, but to me guys, this, this was. This was real life. This wasn't – it didn't matter that these guys were on a football field, right? It didn't matter that it it involved the game of football. What we had – and we've all probably been there. If you live live long enough, you've been there. If not, it's coming. You're going to witness somebody fall out and CPR be administered, and and you may not see them come back or you may not know whether they – they ever, they survive it or not. But as a human being watching another human being potentially losing their life. And, and, and it's the only time guys that I can remember seeing in my life. It wasn't in sports. It was just in life. But when the people that are performing CPR, the people that are performing all these, all these, I mean, just crazy, crazy recovery tactics. Yeah. It's, it's a panic, man. It's not like everything we experienced as athletes. Even the worst case scenario, you know, spinal injuries or neck injuries or the gruesome broken leg. Everybody taking care of that individual is just super calm. They've been mm-hmm. trained. They it's, mm-hmm. it's they're we all know. Hey, they're blinking. They're moving a little bit. They're going. They're going to be alive. Their life may be different, but they're going to be alive. Um, this is one for me where I don't think anybody was trained for it. I, I don't think anybody um was prepared to see what they saw. And that takes me off the football field to just life in general. Um I, I watched a man have a heart attack one night, didn't know him from Adam. I was literally in the in the in the suite standing with John Daly on on the outside of Razorback Stadium. We were sitting there having a drink, halftime of a Razorback game, and a guy down the way just collapsed right there. And I watched him do CPR and it just it, 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 my whole weekend was different and I didn't know the guy and I didn't, I mean, I can only imagine if it was the teammate. So man, this is, it, it was, it was a tragedy. It was, it was unbelievable to watch unfold, but, but, uh, by the grace of God, man, dudes communicating, he's moving his memories there. I mean, it, it's, it's, um, it's, I mean, it's unbelievable, man. So great news.
3: Great news. Trev,
2: great, great news. Um, I said this to start uh, my, my excerpt the other night um, and I'll say it again. Keep praying for him. Great news today, but the doctors today even said he's he's shown some improvement, but he's got a long road ahead. Um, and, and even when he gets stable, even when he's breathing on his own, this is a long road ahead in multiple different ways for DeMar Hamlin. So keep praying for him. But, What has encouraged me over the last 48 to 72 hours uh, since this event is really just the idea of individuals, and Clint, you touched on it briefly, but individuals just doing their job and Mm. being prepared. Mm. And that goes across the board. The first responders, if you will call them that, that actually perform CPR, which the doctors reiterated today, that's one of the main reasons that DeMar is still with us. And then the folks that, you know, put him into the, the ambulance and were with him and his and his parents you know, or his family right there with him, you know, loving support. And then the doctors, once they got inside the doors, and, and then I'll even go as far as the fans and, and yeah. you and I both, our listeners and, and the folks on this call, thinking about him, praying for him, supporting him. This is going to go so much further than just Damar Hamlin. And I think that's an incredible thing. Damar Hamlin, I know you didn't want this to happen. None of us wanted this to happen, but but you've made an impact on this world. Yes, because tragedy happened to you, it was brought to light, but all the work you were doing before that for kids and everything else, some of the great things that you've already done in your life have been been brought to light. And so um, we're continuing to pray for you. Uh, This will be an incredible story once you are back to normal, but I just want to give all the people who've done their job and Damar Hamlin for the work he's done up to this point, foundationally that now people are supporting. I want to give you all a tip of the cap. It's it's remarkable.
1: Hey, a a quick shout out too, real quick, fellas. They did front office sports actually put out a uh, a thread of the Buffalo Bills assistant trainer uh, Denny Kellington that actually performed, uh, the CPR immediately. Wow. Um, so look, I'm no, I'm no doctor. I'm no, uh, I'm no athletic trainer. I'm no, but boy, in that moment to go out there and, and, and not, you know, you don't know if that's a spinal injury. You don't know if it's a concussion and you don't, and you just immediately respond. There he is right there. There he is. Denny Kellington. I mean, he went out there and and started performing CPR and ultimately, you know, gave Damar a chance, man. So big shout out to him as well wow hey that, good time good time too George to shine a, a bright light on I I don't I know it's it may be the case in Texas but I know it's not the case in every state because I was close to it in the state of Arkansas man is it, it's time that that in high school athletics at every sporting CPR event
3: training
1: we we have somebody we have the right athletic trainer on on, on somebody yeah. that's trained to to whatever yeah. level I mean there's For some coaches, schools that don't even, there's some schools that don't even have trainers on site, man. Some of the smaller schools in in, in Arkansas. So, But it's good um, for
3: coaches to also get that too, Clint. I saw yeah, right man. where you were going, and I immediately – I got family members that are nurses and friends of mine that are nurses, and I'm going through the questions, and, hey, if this happened and that happened and how close and this and that, and several of them asked me, do you know how to – would you know how to revive somebody or even your own daughter CPR-wise? No, I would not. So I'm starting here in two weeks, a a course, Uh, like what a vital skill set that you can learn. Getting it off TV ain't gonna be it, but you can learn. And I'm not trying to go be a lifeguard or whatever else, but should my daughter choke on something or somebody else or the man I'm standing behind with the movie line, what you gonna sprint for help? Isn't it more valuable to be able to put hands on somebody and help get him out of there. Like our man right here, Denny Kellington. Man, (laughs) they they need to put him up. Uh, And and again, Clint and and Trevor, those guys didn't flinch. Like when you're watching that whole thing, you're watching these warriors, helmets off, teared up, looking at the situation on the ground. And the people wearing the polos and, and and the golf pants kneeling, quietly communicating, doing their work. No one was frazzled, like poised. And honestly, for most games, and thank God, for most games, they're just watching the game on the sideline. For most games, at any moment's notice, we got to not only be mentally aware and ready for the thing, we have to be out there, be able to go out and execute the thing. And they did. And because of that, our man has, has a chance to battle his way back. But yeah, Bill's trainer, Denny Kellington, sir. Might as well go on and get a toast going off right there. Clint, I'm going to follow you on that. we on a different type of bubbly this evening. Trevor, let's just go with you again. If you just now joining us, hopefully you guys have, have been rolling per our uh, tradition we sip a little something we're talking college football It's the best sport in America, which means it's the best sport in the world. Our favorite player team thing, Trevor Knight, I'm gonna go with you, sir.
2: Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to take this one back to football and guys, thanks for the time there. Um, and, and the shout out to all the folks with the DeMar Hamlin uh, situation. I think that's su- it's super powerful and needs to be discussed. Um, but I'm going to take this one to football, uh, and, and it's going to be a personal side of football. Um, In the coaching world, for those of you that don't know, and most of you that listen to our show probably do because you're big sports fans, but the coaching uh, process to become a position coach, an offensive coordinator, a head coach at any level is very difficult. There's only a set number of guys that can do it. And there are, are young coaches out there that are putting together scripts, that are staying up late, writing up uh, uh, defensive cards for the offense and scout team and doing all the grunt work behind the scenes so that we get to enjoy uh, a very high brand of football on Saturdays and Sundays and and whatever day the game is played. I'm giving my shout-out and my toast tonight to a groomsman of mine, a former teammate of mine who got his big break, He has been uh, with Chip Kelly. He's been with our own Kevin Sumlin on staff. And for the past several years, both at Oklahoma and USC, he has been with Coach Lincoln Riley. He got the call to really skip a step, not just be a position coach, but to be the offensive coordinator. coordinator, call the plays, coach the quarterbacks for the Incarnate Word Cardinals in San Antonio, FCS Division I. Mr. Connor McQueen, Coach mm-hmm. Connor McQueen, mm-hmm. thanks to you for staying at it and, and getting the call, my friend.
3: Who also has a playing resume where he was sitting in the same quarterback room with Manziel, Kenny Hill. He had Jake Spavidol, uh, um Cliff Kingsbury, Cliff Kingsbury uh, throwing to Mike Evans in practice. He's going to have a storybook run uh congratulations down there to incarnate word clint sterner sir
1: well you know where i gotta go with this one it's we're, we're actually gonna get we're gonna dig into it here um in, in our show tonight so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be too long-winded i know it's hard to believe for those of y'all that know me um I, i'm gonna i'm gonna i've been very critical of one coach this season several but one of them i've, I've may have gone overboard a time or two but damn it i'm passionate Jimbo Fisher, Jimbo Fisher. I said this about week five or six of the season. He's got to hire an offensive coordinator. I don't know what took so long. There's a lot of stories out there, uh, but here's the Jimbo Fisher, and mm. and 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 I'm gonna dig into it. Just simply biting the bullet, offensive-minded play-calling coach biting the bullet and hiring an offensive coordinator. I, I, it's a big step for a for a, a a head coach to do
3: that. Man, I salute you, brother. Will you just take a second? And extend on that why it's a big deal um why why it's a big deal because these coaches who identify themselves as an offensive guy they either don't want to let their they don't want to take their arms off the playbook or it's their baby or i don't trust anybody more than i trust myself etc cetera, et cetera. especially somebody with a national championship ring Would you just go into why that's such a big deal for him to to hand over the reins to somebody else?
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed
1: his well, own range you know I, I think the why i think to really dig into it you got to be in the building because all we see is the product right and, and what i can what i can tell you is that jimbo fisher's product is stale jimbo fisher's just the overall product without getting into position specific play and conversations, the overall product was stale. It, it, it lacked creativity. Um, I, I, I think it, I I don't know that it really, it really had the ability to, to hone in and and make Evan Stewart the best wide receiver that he is, or to, to you, to make, to really highlight one tailback, um, you know, it did he he hadn't he has gotten to a, a point where he's not developing quarterbacks. They'd gotten to a point where they they weren't developing uh, offensive linemen and and so I just think as a whole whether you're talking about game day play calling, you're talking about uh play design, you talk about player usage, player development, there was a day when when Jimbo was really 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 good at that. And he won a national title at do, doing it, right? But the game has changed. I think being a head coach is a much different monster right now. And I don't know the whys. I can sit here and say, well, you know, recruiting is about four or five times the job that it used to be for a head coach. Jimbo Fisher's really good at it. He's clearly investing the time there. Um, You know, offenses have changed and evolved. And so there's another, uh, you know, allotment of time that he has to find in his day. And so it man it could be anything from the ability to relate in a play calling manner to coaches to to time management to uh the game passing him by I don't know George what specifically is why it went stale but I know from a product perspective of watching the games it was bad and and then you watch you watch the what really threw me if you you know guys we've talked about this what what really bothers me is not players making mistakes, not playing youth and those guys not knowing where to be and when to be there, a quarterback not knowing where to go with the ball or not knowing where pressure's coming from. What bothers me is when players, a drive ends, and players aren't even off the field yet, and the play caller, in in this situation, it's the head coach, Jimbo Fisher. I mean, they're almost bickering at each other from the sideline all the way to the bench, and it's receivers, it's quarterbacks, it's running backs, that is not healthy that is not going to win and so i just think it was absolutely paramount for for uh Jimbo Fisher besides the record the last two years i think it was paramount that he he hand over the reins of of the offensive
3: um game planning and play calling uh for the betterment of the team huge move and again we we just covered all that haven't even said who he's bringing in one of the best offensive minds in football, doesn't matter what level, in the last 25 years, Bobby Petrino. He's done it multiple places, multiple quarterbacks, different leagues. He's done it. Bobby Petrino, who, and again, let's face it, only reason he's able to get him is because the journey Petrino has been on, just accepted some type of position at UNLV. OC. Which, which, uh, what, the OC? OC. Which for some of you guys, that'd be like – it'd be like watching Chip Kelly or Lincoln Riley go be the offensive coordinator at uh, Miami of Ohio or San Diego State years down the line, right? So at one point in time, they're destined for greater, but your journey as a coach, as a man, takes you all these places.
2: So is this – is this my opportunity to talk about this in in uh, in agreement or disagreement with Clint? Or are we getting to it later in the show? We'll
3: we'll come right back.
2: We'll come right yeah. back.
3: We'll come right. Let, us, let me just put that on in here right now. A and Trev. It's in here. We'll circle right on back. My t- quick toast, and, and I need a dig in to help me, our producer. Uh, my quick toast is. To the best college football program in the state of Texas, which this country, we celebrate Texas as the greatest high school state in America. 12 Division I programs play football in Texas, and one will be out here in Los Angeles here in a couple of days to get ready for the national championship. That's Texas Christian University. I can't even believe we're getting a chance to say that. Of all the hype, all the big moves, all the recruits, all the attention and the stadium renovations and all the millions and millions of dollars of donors and boosters and fans in the whole state. And I'm talking in Aggieland, I'm talking in Austin. You know, you can, you can go out west to Texas Tech and all that other stuff if you want to. Right now, the reigning champion in the state of Texas, is the Horn Frogs. These guys have done it. Done it, starting off the board, unranked off the board. Comes back, quarterback change week one, week two. Battles all the way through the season. Seven times this year, they're trailing at half. They go through a blue blood to get here. They'll face another one who happens to be the reigning champs when they get there, TCU. And I know we're not in here for moral victories, et cetera, et cetera, but they already won. So just like when you go to Vegas, press it, press it to the Horn Frogs to the Horn Frogs, which segues us in here nicely. National Championship game Monday night, TCU Georgia. Cannot wait to see it. Field of Twelve College Football's After Dark Show again on a quick reset. Trevor Knight, Clint Sterner, Dagan Hughes, George Whitfield, fellas. I'm just gonna just open this. I'm just gonna toss the ball out there. Clint, what are you most excited about, or what are you most keen on looking for when these two teams take the field come Monday night?
1: I, I, I just I, I am absolutely stoked that we got two quarterbacks that uh, that aren't prototypical quarterbacks, mm-hmm. um, aren't high. They, they were never highly rated quarterbacks. One of them won a national title and still can't get no love, um, and I understand why. I understand why. I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying they should. I'm simply telling you guys that I I love the storyline of these two quarterbacks going head to head. Uh I love the storyline of of two guys that weren't big enough, weren't fast enough, didn't have a big enough arm, yada 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 and and they are both playing in the big dance. So number one, the the these two quarterbacks, I love their stories um overcoming the odds and 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 being the dudes that the only two standing at the end I think is just an absolute Fabulous story. I I think I think the the biggest in game um, aspect that I can't wait to see it's going to be right out of the gate. Can can Georgia's front can Georgia's front seven make Max Duggan uncomfortable? Mm. And, and and if he can, I think Georgia's going to run through him like mess through a goose. If if the if they can protect Max Duggan. This is going to be a dog
3: fight or a frog fight, some might say, and it's going to be fun to watch, man. I like that twist. Trevor Knight, I want to throw it to you, but first I want to ask you a couple things. Let's just go to, to teams. I'm going to go to you. I'm going to go right back to Clint. Is Are these statements true? One, George is more vulnerable than we thought. We've been thinking they're the invincible crew. They're a bad crew, certainly not invincible. Are they more vulnerable than we thought looking at them with Ohio State? And with them looking at TCU, are they going to come in more sober? Not that they were ever over there skis or ever, you know, feeling any type of way, but let's just be honest. If you're in Athens, a fan, a player, you know, the guy cutting the grass out there in campus, you had to imagine you were playing Michigan, the team you thought you were going to be seeing in this, in this locking of horns is not the one you got. So it's gotta be a new respect for the opponent and you gotta have a new kind of awareness of who you are because they come in nose bloodied up. How do you, how would you see that?
2: Yeah, I I think that if I was sitting in the Georgia locker room as a player preparing to play this game with the history, you know, uh, last year's national champion, we hadn't lost this year, we've had some tight games, but we really built this up to where we may be playing our best ball right now as a collective group. We just knocked off an Ohio State team that outside of that Michigan game, I mean, they just have some dudes and may have played their best game of the season, and they still snuck out of there with a win. I would look at TCU to answer your question and say, I'm confident, but I'm not – I'm almost not as confident in my preparation that I that I would be if it was Michigan. And here's why. If if you said that they were expecting to play Michigan, and I believe that. If I'm a player, I believe that. I'm already starting in the back of my head to get ready for a hard-nosed, um, very physical, big-time logo, big time fan base type of atmosphere. With TCU knocking off Michigan, now I'm like, okay, I respect these guys. I don't think there's any question there. I respect them, but I just don't know. Are they really that physical or was it the turnovers? Mm. Did they catch lightning in a bottle in a couple big games or are they for real, right? It's like, yes, they're here. We respect them. Mm. But how much preparation do I really need to put in? And and a lot of people would argue that and say – well, you prepare regardless who's across the field from you. But both you guys and everybody else that's ever played this game before knows that there's a different level that you get to in your head when you know it's Michigan and TCU just from a logo standpoint. And correct me if I'm wrong.
3: No, there's no correction on that. Clint, let me roll back over to you as an offensive-minded football player and quarterback and i'm sure there's games you probably built the game plan executed the game plan probably changed plays call plays etc does tcu is this a situation they're going to need to throw the kitchen sink at georgia we asked this question last week about michigan and wound up being michigan came out like right away in the special bag of tricks and they're doing all these things will tcu have to do that And as a play caller, what would be your approach, wearing the purple and silver, Riley, what would be your approach on attacking a Georgia team? They don't blitz a ton. They don't blitz a ton. Michigan did. They gambled all over the place. But they can get got. You saw those big, wide-open plays. Ohio State was striking them on. How would you go about setting up this attack for TCU?
1: Look, first of all, I, w- I would talk to my guys offensively about. I mean, this is this is why the air raid was invented, boys. Yeah. I mean, the the air raid was invented to give smaller, less athletic, less physical wide receivers and skilled skilled players an opportunity, that. a way uh, to actually compete and move the football and and counterpunch what it is these bigger, mm-hmm. faster, stronger teams wanted to do. So this mm-hmm. is an ideal matchup. For me, if I'm, if I'm TCU, we, we got a team that we couldn't out physical if we wanted to, right? I mean, we, we couldn't out physical them if we wanted to. It doesn't matter. And, and this is exactly why, uh, when, when you look at, at, uh, what is it? Garrett Riley, when you look at Garrett Riley and, and this is the value in a great air raid play caller or head coach for that matter is you don't have to physically be better than the opponent across from you. Now, the counter to that is, Boy, you make a mistake, or if they're able to disrupt you, it can get out of hand in a hurry, and and you ju- you're just out there getting getting absolutely skull drugged If but, you're
3: TCU, Is that yes,
1: TCU, yeah. yes. I mean that that's the thing with the air raid guys. That's why that's why, to my knowledge, I don't know if we've ever seen an air raid play caller in a national championship. Um, I don't I don't think I could be wrong.
3: Not in but, the modern era.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's just one of those where it's a system where you can line up and you can get hot and you can beat anybody in America. Don't matter how much better they are than you, you, you execute, you use your spacing, that quarterback, get the ball out on time. You hit a couple of creases. You can play, you can play with and beat anybody in the country, but you can also turn around and get absolutely embarrassed by a team. You shouldn't get embarrassed by So if I look, if I'm Garrett Riley, I sit down with these guys, George, and it's simple, man, this is exactly what our system is designed to do. You, let's like go that. out there and focus, not on how big they are, how physical they are. Let's focus on being in the right place at the right time yep. and taking advantage of the few opportunities that a Kirby Smart football team is going to give you. There's going to be four or five times for TCU. Let's say this thing, take turnovers out of the mix, take punts blocked and field goals blocked and all that crap out of the mix. I mean, a pick six or scoop and score swings a game majorly. Take all that out of the mix. There's going to be four or five times where – Kirby Smart is going to leave a crease somewhere and give Mm -hmm. them an opportunity. The ball's going to be in the air or the running back's going to be hitting that crease. Does he get shoestring tackled? Does the wide receiver make the play? And if they do, boy, they're going to be able to apply some serious pressure to Georgia. And that's how you beat Georgia.
3: Pressure. Especially with a veteran, big-time quarterback, who's, who's war-tested, battle-tested, and he's game to pull it down and go 50 yards. He's already shown that. Before we wrap through this, again, national championship coming Monday night. Cannot wait for this. TCU, Georgia. From each of you, can I get your non-quarterback MVP or X-Factor, however you want to say it, and a prediction?
2: I'll start there. Um, I'm going to say... This is there's a lot of assumptions here, but this is the one that sticks out to me because I think he's he's going to be the difference maker or the X factor. And and if they happen to win the football game, then he could be the MVP. Um Pendre Miller. And mm-hmm. and I'm not even sure how healthy he is. I would imagine that he will play in this football game, um, running back for TCU. But to all your points, uh Clint. They are an Air Raids team. They have the ability to spit it around. But why I think that TCU has been able to be so consistent and not drop a game to an inferior team. They're only blemished to a K-State team that they, they were, you know, they were stopped on the goal line. They played really well. K-State played arguably their best game of the year. Um, they have been able to establish a run game all year long. And that's what I think has been different about this TCU game. And not just, oh, we spread it out, so that's going to, you know, lighten the box so we can pick up some chunk yardage. No, I feel like they have ran in between the tackles, downhill at times, and played a physical brand of football in the run game on top of spreading it out. And so I think X factor, MVP, whatever you want to call it, could be uh, Kendra Miller back there for the TCU Horned Frogs, toting the rock. Score. That that being said, I still have have Georgia winning the game uh, by, I don't remember what I said the other night, but this is my updated score. I think it's going to be 42 to 35, I believe is what I said before, and I'm going to stick to that.
3: That's what you said. Clint, your non-QBX factor and, and your prediction. Well, I'm going to get my prediction
1: out of the way because I'm literally sitting here hot on 42-38, and my man throws 42-35 out there. The only thing is I got TCU winning this thing. Ooh, oh okay. she I got TCU of winning this you thing. you do. Here's, wow. Look, look here's, here's what I what – I, I mean, outside of the quarterback play, I think Quentin Johnston – I mean, if, if TCU has a, a, a snowball's chance – they, they, they have their their superstars have to play big, mm-hmm. and 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 the one dude on this squad on the offense side of the football anyway, that I I think is a a lock top draft pick in this in this year's draft is Quentin Johnston,
3: who could have started for all three other playoff teams. Not not Correct. a whole bunch of kids for TCU could go and do that. Correct, and and, and
1: so I, look, I think. He's a guy that at 6'4, 220, 215, whatever it is, I think he's a guy that um, gives them the opportunity to have a physical uh, advantage, matchup advantage on anybody that Georgia throws at him. There's not one corner, there's not one safety that they're going to be able to put over there and go, okay, this guy can't run faster or can't out jump this guy to some degree. And so if, 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 TCU's gonna win this ball game, like I think they will. I think I think he Quentin Johnson's got to have a monster ball game, and so I would I would ride him to the to the MVP. Is that what you said?
3: MVPs ever said? X Factor MVP. X Factor.
1: Okay, I,
2: I want to ask you a question real quick, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, just mainly because you have coached quarterbacks a lot more than Clint and I, and and Clint, I, I believe that to be true. Oh okay. um, you, you, so you understand what it what it means to coach the mentality of the quarterback position. You've done it with some of the the greatest quarterbacks uh, in this era. If you're Sonny Dykes, like let me let me back up. I'll clean this up. It, I feel like Stetson Bennett plays his best football in big time uh, football games right now. Like yeah. you can count on him for that. Yeah. We have seen Max Duggan, although he's played at a really high level. The Texas game wasn't his best game. Big time matchup. Even you could argue last week probably his wasn't his um, wasn't his greatest moment, right? Um, What if you're Sonny Dykes and Garrett Riley? What are they having to do to manage the emotions and get Max Duggan ready to play in this football game to have it be his best game of the year?
3: Um. That's a great question. It's a quick answer. You got to get him to play in the micro, a a play at a time, stainless steel, let your linebackers and D linemen and all those guys get the face paint going. You got to settle down and fly this plane for us. We're here because you've already been doing that. I'm already ingratiating him into the game plan. What do you like on third down? What do you like on short yardage? We have this pressure. What do you like to change us out of this? Let's start getting you some, um, I want him to have stake in the game. I want him to have stake in the game plan, Clint. I want him to to have answers that he got a chance to put up on the table himself. We've worked on this as a staff, as a team, as a tribe, but Mm -hmm. we're going to roll with you. Now we roll with you. We're here now. We're rolling with you. We're following you. We're going with you. But a play at a time. Make it stainless steel. And and I want to get him, you know, some some guys, and there's years I felt like this. Some years I didn't. As soon as you got hit, got rocked, threw a ball, somebody knocked you down or whatever it is, you're like, all right. So now we're in this thing. Okay, now I got you. Some, you just want to kind of get on base, catch it get a couple, and you just want to get the feel of guys moving downfield to go find the ball. You, you got that progress going. I would show him clips of himself all week, certainly the couple games before us and himself as an offense or us as an offense and himself. And then I would show other quarterbacks making big plays against Georgia. I really would. Visualize and I would, it. it like, continually visualize it. The quarterback that took on this team before you did it. And his kicker didn't. They just didn't get it done on the last play of the game. It can be done. And we've already been doing it. So, but I would try to get him down to the micro. Look, big man, we got the macro. We'll move and operate. We got the operating room. You just keep the scalpel. You let us know what kind of music you want going on in the room. Everybody else is going to be backing you up but you just handle this incision at a time. That's it. We got everything else. And then they roll like that. And like what, what Clint said, he's got the biggest, meanest, nastiest receiver in the tournament. <laughs> in the tournament, a guy who can play on time, who can play through windows, who can go play one-on-one. He could, Hell, he could play one-on-a-bunch. Should we get in a pinch? And you yourself have done an awful lot pulling the ball down, finding green, stealing first downs, running through backers, outrunning safeties, whatever is necessary and needed. You already have everything that you need. I was looking dead in his eyes. Everything you're going to need out there, you already have it. We got the rest. So they got to come see us. They got to come see us. Lock them doors. And with oh. that said, I like Georgia 42-35 on the thing. I do. I do hope it goes into overtime, though, and I do think Max is going to have a game of his life. And and my non quarterback X factor to me is going to be Georgia's offensive line. A lot like Michigan's offensive line, they did not come in as advertised in their last game. Stetson Bennett people got to him. Ohio State got to him quite a few times. If they didn't get to him, they pressured him. They ran the ball, but they really ran it. They popped runs. It wasn't the consistent six yard, eight yard, 10 yard, six yard. It was two yards, two yards, two yards, 25 yards. And again, long as you get there. But I think the Georgia Mm O-line will be the biggest difference maker in this matchup. You guys ready to flip and get to something else? We got some things to discuss. Can we move up there to Football University of America, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish have landed maybe the biggest difference maker in this portal off season in Sam Hartman, Wake Forest, All-American quarterback, the William the William Wallace of the ACC the last two years. He has signed on with Notre Dame today. And there's a there's they've been talking about this for almost two weeks. Well, he posted today in his new uniform. He is going to be now with the Irish. What does this now mean about Notre Dame and their national prospects and their scare level. Clint, I'll go with you first.
1: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Oh, look! I I think there's national championship is has got to be the 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 legit. I think a lot of teams talk about it, but like I think in in Notre Dame, I think I think Marcus Freeman right now can walk in that first team meeting and and seriously talk about you know you can cover the we got to win our home games, we got to beat the you know our, the top two or three opponents on the schedule. Mm. Mm -hmm. We got to take care of business versus the weaker opponents. But, but ultimately at the end of the day, he can genuinely sincerely put national championship on, on top of, of their uh, goal board, if you will. Ah. Uh, Ah. I mean, that's just, that's who Notre Dame is. They're going to play good defense. Um, You know, when you add a guy, a quarterback like this, that is a proven absolute surgeon sniper uh, at the quarterback position. Um, you know, outside of just, like, super rare, like, athletic ability or super rare arm strength, this guy um, is as good a quarterback as you're going to find at the college level. And so um, they are going to be very difficult to beat um, in moving forward this next year. Uh, so I think first and foremost, you can legitimately put Notre Dame at the top of the list in, in terms of when we start talking about preseason national champions – um, they got to be in that conversation. I, I think. Look, we talked about it last time I was on uh, Field of Twelve. Here, I, I think this is huge from a standpoint of Marcus Freeman correcting whatever mm-hmm. whatever caused the issues for that Notre Dame quarterback room to end up in the shape that it's in. It, it, yeah. It's that that's the that is. There's a lot of bad quarterback rooms in college football. There's no excuse for for Notre Dame to be one of the worst. Are uh, one of the more talked about from a negative perspective quarterback rooms in college football can't happen. I don't care if you're defensive minded coach. I don't care if Brian Kelly left. It, it doesn't matter that people can come rob your your backups in the transfer portal. You're Notre Dame, man. You're one of about four or five. Um, yeah. I mean, there's no excuse for that. And then George, I think you just hit on something, man, uh, that we had, that I hadn't talked about is Sam Hartman and the impact that he he's going to have. In the oh, yeah. transfer portal, in in recruiting, um, I mean, and I'm not, even ta- I'm not talking about the play. I, I mean, I think the play will help as well. I'm just talking about that quarterback, the biggest quarterback in in the transfer portal, Presence. shooting Notre Dame. I mean, instant it, credibility,
3: man. That's instant just... credibility, because now you're talking linemen, skilled players, uh, the 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 super tailback who's who was comfortable in his room and is peeking over here, the six, five wide out messing around with the draft. I stay, I go, I'm definitely not staying here. Why not the Irish Trevor, your, your impressions of the move. And I'm just going to throw you another question. Does this automatically make Notre Dame top five preseason? And is he already a, a preseason Heisman candidate? Uh,
2: Yes. And yes. And, and and here's why you've got some programs that um, will end up in the top five, but are losing their signal caller or their general or or their bell cow. Um, somebody that uh, made a huge difference on the 2022 success. And they'll reload, and, and most of those programs have guys that will reload. But this pickup for Notre Dame, and as you mentioned, Clint Marcus Freeman, and what he's built there. I mean, the guy started 0 3 in his in his head coaching career. And the way that he was able to finish this season out, I think speaks a lot about how he's building the culture there and that the guys do still believe in him. But, but I'm going to throw this out there as a little tangent, mark your calendars Saturday, October 14th, Mm -hmm. Notre Dame stadium in South Bend, Indiana right now, already Mm -hmm. two months out. The cheapest upper level ticket is $229 to watch this year's Heisman Trophy winner and the USC Trojans travel to Notre Dame. That I know we got a lot of unbelievable oh, shots in terms of rivalry games, but with Sam Hartman coming in to Notre Dame, I'm I'm circling that one. That's mark my words. That will be the game of the year. Yeah. True.
1: TK, how how you think about that? Think about what you're saying. And I didn't I didn't, I didn't I didn't even look at the schedule, but think about what you're saying, bro. Coming into that game, what's the storyline going to be? Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams versus Marcus Freeman in that defense, like this. Yep. Right? Yep. Now, if if I bet on that game, which I will, um my, my, my money's going <laughs> on, right? Those are strength on strength. I ain't, I'm not, I'm not gonna sit here and try to talk myself into who's better. Those are those are two really good units, right? Mm-hmm. The key is on the other side, folks. Yep.
3: What is the biggest problem at USC right now? The defense. Yep. And they got the wrong trigger man to go up against Ooh. that man. So Sam man. Hartman
1: in the biggest game, TK, you say the biggest game of the year? I mean, the biggest game of the year possibly could be the, you said X Factor earlier, could be the absolute program changer in terms of giving them a chance to win that ball game. How big is that, man?
3: Now let's do this. Trevor just brought us to it. Let's just jog through it. Count the games that you see Notre Dame either having trouble with or not being able to win. They're going to open up with Navy in Ireland. Tennessee State, which is a big-time game. That's the first time Notre Dame has ever played a non-Division I team in their history, and they're going to play an HBCU team. Eddie George is the coach there. So they're two down. Central Michigan. Then they have Ohio State, Clint, at home. They have a bye week, another bye week, which is amazing. They, they, this is probably a really, this can't be the whole schedule. Is it Dagan? Okay. The they, ACC so, schedule still has to be announced at the bottom. there. September 23rd, Ohio state, October 14th, USC, both at home. That's all that matters there. Wake forest. That'd be fun for him at Clemson, November four at Stanford at Duke at Louisville at NC State, and then Pitt. That can't be right. Six straight road games, so be it. How many games did you count on there where you're looking at him on paper from eight months out look like trouble?
2: I think certainly Ohio State, but to my point a minute ago, C.J. Stroud leaves. You've got yep. to, have, somebody will step up, There's but gonna still, be a, a young J. guy
3: it's gonna be a young green guy, yep.
2: And that's why this pickup for Notre Dame is so significant, is that there are no question marks. Sure, how he integrates into the program, the culture, the offense, all those things, but he's proven and he's- And they're,
3: they're gonna integrate around him, am I right? Absolutely. You
0: guys are to
3: retrofit this thing around this vet. Hey, what did you guys like? Hey, we ran a lot of bunch, we ran a lot of mesh, We ran, we, you know, we ran a lot of pure progression. I like an option to be on my, like they're going to retrofit around him and he's going to make so many stars out of that offense by just going in there and turning the lights on. We didn't know that receiver was that good. We didn't know that Mm -hmm. running back was that good. We didn't know the offensive line was that good because a talented quarterback gets the ball. He's already halfway through his read. He's merely processing the last details. Ball's gone in two and a half seconds. The offensive line looks great. A lesser talented quarterback or a youngster who's back there looking, studying, everything's hieroglyphics. We've been battling. It's five seconds. What are you doing with the ball back there? Sack. It counts negatively on us, but the ball should have been gone. That's changed now. All that stuff's changed. This looks like, and not too much to put too much on it, but it's like, When Brady went to Tampa, everything was already kind of there. And Tampa was in a lot of battles before he got there. He gets there. Time to go with you. Time to go with you. Turn the lights on over there. Somebody give me a little bit. Like, all this, like, this is a huge win. And I don't understand the the thinking when these quarterbacks make their decisions. Like, Leary went to Kentucky with Notre Dame open. And UCLA open and other spots open. And some of these other guys went and found homes. And I keep looking at Hartman and I keep looking at Notre Dame. I'm like Notre Dame, you have to do something. Hartman, if you stayed home, I get it. But Notre Dame, you have to do something. And all of a sudden, like, and they got talent. They just didn't have a the consistency from a trigger man perspective to go bomb and attack people. Hey, Sam Hartman. A G. Yes, sir.
1: Well, let's let's talk about this thing from from Sam's perspective. Yeah, we talked about it from Notre Dame's perspective. Sam, Sam's never Sam's never, and no no disrespect to Wake Forest, fine program. Yeah, Sam's never taken – I bet Sam hadn't taken the damn field five times in his career with better dudes than the, the opponent across the field. I mean, oh I, yeah, no. I, I mean agreed. this. I mean, Sam is joining a team where, for the most part, maybe not against Ohio State. Uh, maybe not against Clemson, but all in all, they're going to have as good or better dudes against everybody correct. else on their roster. across. And even
3: those two games, they'll at least be an opposite equal. You yeah, won't be yeah. in the I mean, correct. He's going to have a
1: chance at Notre Dame to, hey, you know what? Your team can mess around and make a mistake throughout the year, and you're going to still be locked into the, the college ball playoffs. 100%. You know what? Notre Dame, let's be honest, LSU is just in a conversation with two losses. Notre right. Dame could mess around and have two losses and, and, still. and jump in. I mean, let's be honest here. Sam has never been in a position that he's going to be in. Has he ever played with a defense like Marcus Freeman no, can, can no. potentially put on the field? I mean, and, a
3: vet, and a veteran quarterback like that, this talented, come on, you don't man. think his approach and his diligence wouldn't rot? I bet he's in there right now, working right now. Yeah. The the opportunity at hand. Look, where are the rest of these guys doing? It should have been 12 quarterbacks trying to squeeze in there in the Notre Dame waiting room to get a look, hand their resumes in. The Irish with the big win, all the Dagan Hughes is out there. A, a, a We raise a glass to you, sir. And and
1: that was all a great conversation, fans.
3: gentlemen. If you want to keep going, you feel free to keep going. But you
1: know. Right. <laughs> I, I got one more. I got one more for you, Dagan. Slow down. I'll I'll reach around. Listen, there, there is the, the you guys ever seen a, a locker room or a team that just didn't have that dude? Like, like we, we talk about alphas a lot, right? Yeah. Have you ever seen a team at any level, high school, college, any level where you may have had a dude that was talented, but he wasn't an alpha. He wasn't a leader. His snap count sucked. He he practiced like shit. He, I mean, he may be able to run a little bit, but he, he was, he was an absolute class clown. And then all of a sudden, a, a general, to use one of your Walk terms, in. Yeah. walks in the door. And, and, and he's, I mean, in first practice, he says,
3: Sip! yo, yep, yep.
1: Right, 80. You know what I mean? And he just, hey, just his cadence alone is like, hey, cadence alone. This. Like mm. lightning. That's it. Yeah. That's it. I mean, that alone is a is a program changing moment. Now I don't know if Sam Hartman's that guy. I'm going to assume, with yeah. all the experience that he has, he's a damn alpha, and he's going to walk in there and and take take control of the meeting room, if you know what I mean. That's just that that could change everybody in the whole damn locker room, at least on the offensive side of the football. That's for sure. And I'm, it also,
2: I'm going to take your visual a little further, Clint, because it just popped into my head here not only with the first cadence but right after the cadence all these guys floating in they got their it's, it's it's player led right they got their cleats in their hand they're moping around like they've done the last couple of years because they didn't have the guy holding hold them accountable cadence perfect drop back stab the foot in the ground you can hear the ball come out of his hand and everybody's just gonna go yeah Okay, let me, let me get my shoes on. Let me get my gloves on. Here we go. Dude, but, this is,
3: but this is why I'm up here battling in a three-point stance. This is why as a tight end, he said 12 back to 10. This is why as a back, I'm going Mike, Sam, in the first half of the alley. That like, this is why. This is why. Okay, I got you. Yeah. It has that Brady feel. This dude is bringing 30-some-odd starts, 20-plus – wins out of the acc doing it in a smaller boat the clinch point in the smaller boat and you bringing that over here to us oh man oh man so notre dame obviously with the big win there let's talk about a curious move we thought that was an incredible move let's go back to to the initial move here with with the aggies looks like we'll probably be walking out this is be our walk off here and Trev I'm gonna go right to you the Clinton I see this a lot the same way I'm curious to get your thought text chain you were trying to break it down we couldn't always get it all done in the text why don't you like this move with uh the Aggies and Jimbo Fisher hiring this old world samurai and Bobby Petrino to help you chop up these defenses
2: yeah, you know, in our text, um, you know, I thought you guys made some really good points I, and quite honestly brought me down off of my ledge a little bit. Um, just remembering how good of a offensive mind Bobby Petrino is. And I, I totally get that. And I'm going strictly based off of kind of former player, understand the culture, not only of the locker room there, but also of the university, the turmoil that they've been in, um, knowing and talking to some of the donors that I know and, and, and the feelings there. And then also the timing of how this took place. And I'll start there. The fact that Bobby Petrino, um, in the time that it was announced, Jimbo Fisher's got to make a hire at, at offensive coordinator, did not wait around, which tells me that they weren't having serious conversations, decided to take the UNLV job and then circles around and says, "Oh no, I'm not going to do that because I, I finally got the the call from Jimbo Fisher over here at Texas A&M. That's that has nothing to do with Bobby Petrino. That has way more to do with Jimbo Fisher. What were you doing? If this was your guy from the get go, or even in your top five, and you guys are friends or or, or what have you, why why wasn't he at least given a courtesy call? Hey man, I know I know you got the job at UNLV, but that should be there." Just just hold on. Let, let's work through some things. Even if you're the second or third guy, just, just hold on for me, okay? Because I don't know what I'm going to hear from these guys. So that gives me some pause. And then to get back to the cultural side of things, again, understand that if he wins football games, that cures all. And, and, George, you said that, and that made me feel better because that's true. If Bobby Petrino can come in here and win football games, who cares what he's done? Who cares about anything else? That's what he's hired to do. But culturally, there, with with from a university standpoint, I, I would love to see a pie chart of the percentage of folks that were absolutely elated uh, mm-hmm. at the Bobby Petrino hire, and others that were, ah, eh, well, he's a good offensive mind, and others that were pissed off. I'd love to see that pie chart because I don't think that it's an overwhelming. Wow, we got our guy. We've got all the money in the world, and we got the guy that we want that we need to resurrect this program. And you guys may disagree with me, but from a cultural standpoint, I don't think it was an overwhelming yes.
3: Clint, let's jump. Let's jump again to another quick topic because we could roll with Trev on that. I just want him to give his breakdown as an Aggie why he didn't throw in 100% with the call. We got that now. Jim Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh returned back to college football to his alma mater, took him some years to build that thing up, battling the whole country and recruiting and trying to get that thing established. Michigan itself as a state doesn't produce a whole lot of division one players, maybe like 10 or 12. Still, they don't have like a rock star quarterback. They still haven't had a quarterback even drafted out of Michigan since he's been there. And yet we've seen him in the last two years, beat Ohio State last two years and come into college football playoffs. Now he is garnering attention again from the NFL and his NFL record is 44 and 19. He's winning two out of three games in the NFL. He's been to the Super Bowl one year. He's been the NFC championship game another. If you're advising coach Harbaugh and he's hit you and he's like, Clint, pour me a little bit of that, you know, whatever you got, some of that Julio that's, that's Don Julio Primavera. Primavera.
1: Shout There's out. God. Shout that's out. A, that's a you. California Hispanic accent. And I gave you the text. Yes, George. You're, you're
2: in San Diego. You gotta do better than
1: that. Man. Yeah, yeah. That's that Cali. That's that Cali can. I gave you that text baby. <laughs> hey,
2: hey, before before Clint, you dive into Jim Harbaugh, and before George, you finish your, your, your question there. Yeah, uh Reagan Hughes, our producer, sent us this tweet from Dan Wetzel. Blue check mark, 280-plus thousand followers on Twitter. Seems like a reputable source. The NCAA is set to allege numerous violations against Michigan football, including a level one violation against Jim Harbaugh for failure to cooperate with investigators. That was Hmm. tweeted at 9, 12 p.m. Central Time, wherever you're at in the country, today. Hmm. I don't know if that uh, plays into your answer, Clint. I just wanted that to be in there. You damn right
1: it. You damn right it does. I didn't plan on having that kind of ammunition, but it, but it damn sure does. I mean, I, I think George, you laid out the track record. He's obviously had much, much more success at the NFL level, quicker success at the NFL level. And, and I'm gonna be honest with you, he's one of the older school coaches where, I, with options, obviously, where I just don't know that he wants to deal with this shit. Yep. I, I don't know that because look, and I'll be honest with you, man. I don't – I mean, you're – especially if they're going to start in doing this kind of th- stuff, I mean, investigating coaches when ultimately it's the wild, wild west and you either play or you get ran over. Right. Um, I mean, it, it's it, – it's. I don't know that he wants to do it anymore. I don't know that, hell, if, if, if being honest, a lot of these older coaches that, that used to do it a certain way and a lot of these blue blood programs that used to have an, an unbelievable advantage doing it, doing it the the only way of recruiting through high school and not paying players. I don't know that this new era of college football is going to be it for a lot of guys. And I think Jim Harbaugh, I mean, he's got options, man. And he's got options at a place that he's been really, really good. And he will be, if not 1A, 1B in, in the, the coaching, the NFL uh, coach search this year, if he does indeed make himself available, which Carolina – uh, hell, the owner reportedly—they didn't even right. ask for the general manager to to right. to, to deal with that. The owner right. actually, David Tepper, a- actually made that decision. So, um, I-, I don't know, man. I I just think st- something like this—the report that just popped—absolutely yeah. Yeah. might push Jim Harbaugh out the Is door it, back to the NFL.
3: Th- isn't this report kind of that Pete Carroll USC on the way out? Remember all the federal agents rushed up there at USC's campus and out the back door, USC's campus, Pete Carroll, I'm going to take mine on up to Seattle. And Hey, good to see you guys. And he got all the feds on campus back there and he was out. He was out. And again, for things that today are legal. Yeah. And this says for, you know, for, for the discussions. And and I mean, of, of not participating in investigations, And I'm not sure what level one, these things will come up investigations and, and, and recruiting stuff aside best. Do you want to see him continue this, this build at Michigan Trev, or would you be more excited? We probably got like two minutes. Would you be more excited to see him go to Denver or Carolina?
2: Yeah, I'll be real short here. Um, I think in his mind to Clint's point with all the, all the crap that college coaches have to deal with today, he wants to go to the NFL Me as a fan, I want to see him keep rolling here at Michigan. He's beaten Ohio State two years in a row, went to the playoff, you know, two years in a row. He's got something going from a consistency standpoint. Um, Man, I I think he can continue to do it. He's just going to recruit better players. Uh, I think it could be something special up there if he could continue this. And he's obviously a hell of a coach. So I, I want him to stay. It may be better for him to go.
1: Real quick, real quick, George. Just to add a little depth to the to the the point here, Jim Harbaugh had two level two um, allegations, and which are uh, they're they're very minor. They list them here. Um, He he basically watched somebody's practice during uh, like video through a video illegally. He talked to a player during a COVID nineteen dead period um things that are very minor the level one went to is when he actually when he actually missed the meeting he missed a meeting to to discuss what's going to the investigators wanted to investigate the level twos and him missing that meeting and him not participating is a level
3: one uh,
1: so so it's even worse right it's i mean he's getting investigated for talking to a player during a COVID-19 dead period, which what is a COVID-19 dead period we'll never see again, for watching a workout over a video stream. Um, right. for, I mean, it's it's one of them like, meanwhile, you got everybody in America trying to buy his backup offensive lineman because they're four and five stars.
3: Correct. And I'll say this with pure clarity. I know 15 head coaches in college who have watched practices through streaming and have seen kids through COVID. Cause I was either there part of the conversation or on the call. I'm just gonna just say it just like that. He has risen to a point. People are gonna I mean, the, the higher you get, the bigger the target, they're gonna take their shots, et cetera. Obviously, all that'll get worked out. Hold I'll be on, real. Hold curious. on here,
2: George. I got a question for you three. Yeah. So obviously there was a statement put out by Harbaugh today. And I wanna get your I wanna get your thoughts on the wording of, of his statement here. So obviously he goes on, posts the graphic, you know, like all coaches and players do these days. Oh, I saw that. The and he love says, letter. as I stated in December, while no one knows what the future holds, I expect that I will be enthusiastically coaching Michigan
3: in 2023.
2: What I do you think that. of the wording? Uh, Nobody knows what the future holds slash. I expect what are your thoughts on that? And we we'll, and then we can end the show after this, but I just want to get you guys. I'll answer first. I'll answer first. I think in that verbiage to me, when I read through it multiple times tells me that he, at, at least right now, he's, over 50% planning on being the head coach at Michigan next year. It, it's, it's almost like a promise to the folks, but it's also leaving the door slightly cracked open saying, to. if all this goes down or if if they come calling with the money or or the opportunity at the next level, it gives me a way to slip out that, that crack. Uh, but I think this early in the game, and I know all this stuff happens quick, but this early in the game, at least he's planning – um, on
0: staying at Michigan, Clint? yeah.
1: Look, I, I think he's being proactive. He's smart. Like the 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 leak happened that he was meeting with David Tepper, the owner of the Carolina Panthers, and and considering moving to the NFL. And and instead of sitting around and waiting until recruits start flipping and all these other leaks about his recruits and guys leaving and 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 what's going on, he got out in front of it and said he made a statement basically, which I don't think there's any validity to it. But basically it's saying, hey, I went and met with the Carolina Panthers. Don't worry about that. I'm the Michigan head coach. And so I think he's trying to get out in front of a uh, you know, a wave of issues that could stem from the leak that happened with David Tepper and the Carolina Panthers, which is smart. I mean, it's, it's a good business move on his part, but I don't think it means doodly squat relative to whether he's coaching in Michigan or not next year.
3: Same. I agree. It's going to be a traffic ticket. But it's going to be a noisy traffic ticket because of the coach and and because of the program he's driving. But I also look at this as a play. His agent has to have that Michigan athletic director up against the wall. Look what, look what my guy got you. Look where you stand in the pantheon right now in college football with all this stuff changing. The last two years of the four-team playoff, Your program has been in it, led by my client. You cut his salary in half when you were disappointed with what they were doing on the field. One of those two years you didn't like what was happening was a COVID year. You cut his salary in half. And then what's he do when he gets his salary back? He gives the half you gave him back to the Michigan employees, lunch ladies, custodians, et cetera. He subsidized all their money. You never hear that about a big-time coach at a big-time program. Cutting his salary in half? Did Jimbo take a pay cut this year? Did other coaches take a pay cut in half? So last guy, and the only other person I heard that had to do that was Scott Frost, and that was just a way they could kind of keep some of the money. He was basically fired coming into the season. They didn't have enough organization to get their next guy in. So maybe this is some retribution. Maybe he's raising the money, but they're saying... Uh, some sources with the Denver Broncos that the Walmart family could be going up to as high as $20 million a year. That's a gots to go situation. That would be unreal with Jimbo or sorry, with Jim Harbaugh love him in college, but he's going to win wherever. So really the chips are on his side of the table. That is us. Before we roll, we want to end how we started first with DeMar Hamlin. Like, it it feels better to be talking about college football and football in general with the community now kind of taking a breath. We hear the progress, still seeing all the news reports. But if the family has that posture and the bills have that posture, it feels like the rest of us can take that posture too. On the other side of it, there's big news down in Arkansas. Um Clint's fellow Razorback, Peyton Hillis, is in the intensive care right now. He's in a battle. Of his own life, after saving his own kids uh, in a water accident, am I right, Clint? In a swimming accident?
1: Well, yeah. What I'm being told is they were in the ocean, which I'm, I'm assuming they were in Florida somewhere at a, at a, on a beach vacation or uh, or something, something along those lines. And and uh, he saved his kids, and in the process, um, dang near killed himself. And he's in intensive care and and uh, struggling. Last I saw. Uh, was a report from a family member that he's he's having some struggles with his lungs and his kidneys which I'm no doctor I don't know how that I don't know how drowning and taking in a bunch of water I don't know how that impacts your your lungs and kidneys specifically but um I tell you a sad deal man sad deal prayers up for for Peyton and uh and his and his well-being his recovery his his um uh, uh, his family and everybody involved
3: College football royalty football royalty um but doing what any dad would do, doing any father would do any good friend, any uh, it just speaks to his character. He's in a battle. We're praying for you, praying for the family in the Arkansas community. Uh, Yeah, he's in a battle and he's, he's going to need everyone in that battle with him. To get ready, though, for the national championship, uh, we look ahead. We'll be seeing you on Monday. Pre-game, we will have a pre-game show at 6.30 Eastern Time, post-game show immediately after the game, as we've been doing the last two years here. And we will do a watch-along. So you can you can get on here. We will put the link on Twitter. You can watch it with myself, Clint, Trav, uh, Trevor. All of us will be coming in and out of here. We'll be watching the National Championship right here with you uh, at the Field of 12 after dark. For Dagan Hughes, Trevor Knight, Clint Sterner, Trevor Valise, Lady still single. I'm George Whitfield. Thank you for joining us. Championship preview. We're out.